influencers. Let's get bouge. Listen to A. Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's A. Thompson. Uh, ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. Uh, episode whatever the fuck it is that we're on now, I honestly don't know. Um, how you doing? What's going on out there? Uh, welcome to the show that seeks to level out your chemical imbalance. As long as that chemical imbalance is weighted towards happiness. <laughs> uh, if it's your first time joining, welcome to the party sort of party i don't know it's a sort of um more of a uh, like a daiquiri drenched soiree while rome burns in the background that's that's it's sort of an end of days piss up i like to think of it you know it doesn't matter if we're talking about climate change brexit politics dystopia nuclear war what's going to happen when we run out of fossil fuels the mortgage crisis everything is just fucked okay everything is fucked now sit and drink with me. <laughs> that's that's my USP here. I'm your host, Aid Thompson, and I am here to level out your optimism. Bring you back down to earth. Back to the crushing weight of reality. Cheers, by the way. Mm. Uh, well, that doesn't sound good, Aid. That doesn't sound tight. That's hardly a sell. Uh, you know, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually quite happy at the moment. Oh, really? Are you now? <laughs> well, let's let's solve that little problem. Let's let's give you a sneak peek, shall we? Here's, here's the spoilers for you. You've just had a raise, have you? Well, that's going to get gobbled up on tax. Sorry to piss on your chips here. You've just got married, have you? Right, you oh, right, okay. Let me just tell Half of them fail. About half of them now. <laughs> Ending divorce. You've, have you just qualified as what? A, t a technology project manager? Have you? Wow. No, no, that is that is good. All that hard work and studying and uh, case studies and essays. And now, finally, you're a project manager. That is that that is something. But societal collapse is just around the corner. And frankly, Dave, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be weird as fuck if your name was actually Dave and you had just qualified. As a project manager, and I'm just sat here, right? You're like, whoa, what the fuck? That's a bit too, a bit too close to home. But frankly, if you have just qualified as a tech PM, you should have studied joinery or some shit or well building, you know, or something useful for after the apocalypse. But I'm a, I'm a qualified project manager now. Well, fucking great. But I, I'm here to tell you, your wife is going to be disappointed in you. After the apocalypse, I promise it. Like, cause she's gonna be like, "Listen, it is, it is great, it is great, Dave, that you went to Portsmouth for three years. That is amazing, really. But do you think you could project manage us some clean water, maybe? Could you, could you agile Six Sigma us a crossbow to fend off the cannibals, David? That's where you're headed, and that is very much the vibe." of this show in case you were wondering this show is a bummer <laughs> set your your expectations to low and your tensions to high as we once again cannonball dive bomb 
into another hour of me bringing my darkness to your light. Anyway, so, yeah, before we get started, uh, I just want to quickly mention that there are still some tickets left for the September live show. You can still jump on that if so inclined. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, you know, maybe you've checked out two or three different episodes and, and maybe you're feeling the satirical music that I've been throwing together. You might have heard that on Spotify or see me put it out on Twitter and YouTube and, and whatever. Oh, and if you enjoy the comedic stylings of one Otto English or Ashley Hayden and so on, click the September gig link in the description. Come see me. Because uh, we're having a night of stand-up and, you know, a live podcast. There's going to be booze, satire. We're all going to be hanging out afterwards. Let's fucking do this. Uh, so, yeah, you can still get tickets for that uh, if you have a look in the description to this episode. Um, okay, so what's going on out there? What should we talk about uh, today? I've got something that's on my mind, right? There is a story that I found that I, I thought was quite interesting, like jarring, really. You know, it's... um. It's a story of responsibility, right? It's a story of Americana. And also it's kind of a story of of booze, really, predominantly. <laughs> I mean, you know, we could dance around it and, and hype it up a bit as though there's, you know, fucking Shakespearean themes and, and all that. But mostly it's a story about alcohol, I think. Anyway, so... Here we go. So do you guys, dear listeners, influencers, do you remember a uh, Netflix documentary series last year called The Murder Murders? Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Murder? Murder? Or something? I don't really know how big it got. I assume it was like, you know, a true crime smash hit. Um, but that's mostly rooted in the fact that it was on Netflix. So, you know, reasonable budget, I guess, and marketing and all that. Um, and also that it started with a drone shot, <laughs> you know, like, like a drone shot going over a small town. If that's how it starts, fucking boom, <laughs> I'm locked in. <laughs> that is all that it takes. Doesn't matter what you're doing, fucking forget it. If there's a drone shot and a Netflix logo, I'm, I'm invested. Like, I don't care what you're doing right now as you're listening to this. Like, maybe you're cooking, commuting. Maybe you're barely paying attention, even, and you're only listening to me because I'm so boring that an episode of my podcast is the shit that will actually send you off to sleep. Maybe maybe that's my USP, you know? I'm a sort of ASMR for depressives or something. Like, you can't sleep unless I'm whispering awfulness to you. Maybe maybe I'll branch out, you know? Maybe that's a new, a new route to me solving my mortgage woes. I just sell terrifying facts on cameo. <laughs> like five pounds for a 20 second video. And in each one, I just calmly explain another existential calamity to you. <laughs> that would be right. Because I'll do it if that's what you want, guys. If Farage could do it, I can make a buck too. Sell my little tripod. Record them one by one. I'll be like, yeah, hi, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Happy birthday. When the oil runs out, you're going to be too much of a burden to your family. And they will leave you in a Cornwall cave like a fucking 70-year-old Native American slumped on a raft and pushed out to sea. <laughs> like the old Native American retirement home. 
That's your future, Sandra. And again, happy birthday. <laughs> I reckon I could be onto something there. I don't know. Anyway, whatever, whatever it is that you're up to right now, you know, what are you doing right now as you're listening to this? You're working, maybe, or fixing the boiler, waiting for your dad's funeral to start, you know, whatever it is. If I showed you a flat screen TV right now, a Netflix logo fades up and then fades out, right? And then if it goes into that drone shot, you know, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter where it's like of, where it's ascending. Like it could be ascending over my hometown of Maidenhead, Berkshire, right? <laughs> and, and the voiceover would start, you know, it'd be like a leafy suburb in the south of England where families are raised and retirements are enjoyed because it's, you know, it's pre-apocalypse, right? Like no one's getting left in a cave just yet. Although, you know, we'll, we'll see how the social care reforms work out. <laughs> it may, may fuck around and become actual government policy. <laughs> it's, anyway, where retirements are enjoyed and families love one another. And, the, you know, there would be footage of grandparents in the garden laughing with their kids you know and then there would be uh slow motion cameras of birthday party balloons and kids playing and, you know maybe just in the background like a sort of blur you could just about make out that there's a barbecue going on a dad flipping burgers maybe or something and then the voiceover would continue It'd be like we're good people are mostly untroubled by almost everything you know there's there's no organized crime there's minimal drug trafficking they're untroubled by the news even they're mostly untroubled even by dreams <laughs> that's like the cushy wholesome affluent opener that they'd go for isn't it like and then and then there's like a sudden rum and then like the suspense music would come in or like slow motion of police cordoning tape flapping in the wind or then it, 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 the voiceover comes back. But what happens when this Tory Nirvana is touched by sex and murder? Like, you would watch that, wouldn't you? Don't fucking lie. I know I would. I would watch that. All 13 episodes, an hour long each. I'd turn my phone off for it. And that is how all of them start, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's perfect. And it's a drone shot. And then it's awful. <laughs> Somebody died. It's, uh, it's good. And then it's really bad. It's, uh, in fact, it's more than that. It's like affluence and then evil. Like, you know, like what's, what's a good example? Like, um, like it all looked, you know, upper middle class and, and respectable. But then it turns out that the guy in the staircase was a shamed, closeted homosexual that would rather his wife was dead than that anybody would find out that he was gay. You know, boom, shame, murder, evil. It's like affluence, then evil. Same thing, just a perfect existence, then murder. And um, what was the other one? Like um, a few years ago, this came, like, the one about the New York billionaire guy. The gist? Wait, no, that's the podcast, isn't it? Um, the jinx. That was it, right? Same thing. Like, outwardly, a rather well-to-do heir to a real estate fortune. 
That's the drone shot. <laughs> then fade up and pan out and it's, oh, wait, no, no, no. He's a, he's a sociopathic killer that offed his first wife and then his best friend. And like, like this perfect existence and then murder, affluence and then evil. Like it really is a sort of innate problem. Isn't it? When you think about it, like we have this shock factor that upper middle class people couldn't possibly be murderers as well as everyone else, you know? But I thought murdering was just something that filthy fucking plebs do. Well, yeah, me too. This, I mean, this is shocking because, I mean, they, the plebs, they're always doing it. Aren't they? I mean, they can't bloody help themselves. Bloody spy-saddled brains and the, you know, the moral failures of the poor. But but now you're telling me that a rich and well-to-do man was also driven to murder like that. I mean, I am so shocked that I am definitely engaged in this boxer. But that is that is why we like these stories, isn't it? That's why we get engaged and hooked on them. Like it's kind of a gross, innate classism in us. Is it? Anyway, look, this murder murders shit that I was talking about is kind of the same vibe. You had this, you know, South State American family, the Murdors, who were outwardly affluent. They were upper middle class. They were respectable and and good, for want of a better word. And then, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Then it's, you know, I, I hope I'm saying the name. Like, I'm really paranoid now that I'm mispronouncing the name. Is it Murdors or Murdars or something? Like, I, I kind of think you have to be a Southern State Yankee to be able to say their name right, you know? The Mur Murdars is how they, you know, it, it's like Brits. Brits can say quid and mate, you know, but it never quite lands when Americans say it, does it? When you hear an American say British slang, it just doesn't... <laughs> Doesn't sound. <laughs> hey, aid, mate. Here's the twenty quid. I owe you. Like it's what? <laughs> Just say buddy. Just say buddy and bucks. It's fine. Anyway, yeah. Similarly, murder. Maybe murder is a word that Brits can't say in America. You need to be American to say this fucking family's name. I think you need to be a caricature of a Southern state Yankee <laughs> to be able to say, "How are you doing, Mister Murder?" Can I get you a glass of cool lemonade for you and your grandpa this morning? You know, murder, murder. Hey, look, I'm going to say murder. That's it. We've decided now. So anyway, I'll give you some context here, right? And then I'm going to get on to why this is back in the news again. So, so the context first. So the murders were this prominent Southern family, right? In a place called Hampton in South Carolina. Uh, and they ran this legacy law firm, right? And throughout the generations, this family were intrinsic in law in that area. Like they served as the district's like prosecuting attorneys. They were fucking known, man. Just these loyally Yankee Carolina local government motherfuckers, right? And I read that the reason they got so wealthy, you know, because not every public prosecutor is, you know, bucked up. But the reason they got so mad wealthy was like their law firm let clients sue companies that were out of state. Also, like it was a change in the law and it allowed them to start doing it where you couldn't before, but now you could. So anyway, they made a killing. They're, like no pun intended. 
Uh, and that came in in the noughties. So they made a fucking ton of cash, right? And so the Murdors are like this fucking dynasty shit, you know? you got the great granddad who was the lawyer and the prosecutor. And then you've got the grandpa and then his sons who were, you know, the father of this kid. And then uh, and then his brother, you know, the uncle, as he's referred to. And and just loads of fucking lawyers called Randolph Murdoch. Basically, like they're all called Randolph. I recall like it's Randolph Jr. The third senior you know, all that shit. The way that American families sometimes do. You know, if they're not stealing our fucking town names, <laughs> they're just they're just renaming their kids with their own exact precise names. Like they're fucking, they're not the most creative bunch, are they? When it comes to naming things, Americans. Anyway, this this family is just a you know dynasty of men who are legally called Randolph Murdor, right? And and then everyone calls them, you know, variations thereof. So, you know, Randy or Buster or Junior to differentiate, right? And again, this is a family who are outwardly respectable. They are a well-to-do family. Uh, but then it, you know, then it gets kind of fucked up. Because <laughs> you... Because you've got all the Randolphs, right? But you've also got the father, who's like the main guy, Alex Murdor. I know this is all getting very true crime podcast here, but I just want to give you, you know, ample context and shit. Uh, so how is it fucked up, eh? Right. So so the family are off their nuts on booze, like the whole time. Right. So that's the first thing. Uh, and then the second thing, you know, the dad, Alex Murdor, is embezzling money from the family law firm to fuel this spiraling opioid addiction and and unfortunately for him in the midst or at the height of this you know stealing cash from the law firm shit his son paul crashes this boat that he owns alex the father and now he's kind of on the hook for it because he's the owner and it's his son that did it. And, you know, and there was some suggestions of like neglect of his son, Paul, right? That he wasn't a particularly attentive father and the mother, you know, it was kind of disjointed family. And and so the son is like this sort of, you know, cliche teenage tear away addict, you know, constantly fucked up sociopathic tendencies. Like like they say he showed absolutely no empathy when one of the girls was missing off this boat from the boat accident, right? And so anyway, this boat crash just sends everything unraveling. And the cops are investigating, right? And as they're asking questions and circling this family, and it looks like they're going to get sued for wrongful death or like negligence or something, then... Legal investigators are asking why Alex, the father and the boat owner, can't cough up $10 million, right? And he's like, I, I, I can only probably scrape you together like $1 million, right? And they're like, hang on, wait, what, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you're the murderers, man. Like, show us your bank records, motherfucker. <laughs> You've got this massive house and the cars... And everyone knows you run that fucking legal firm down the road. How have you not got $10 million? But what they don't know, obviously, is that he's been feeding this drug addiction with everyone else's money for like 10 fucking years. 
And so, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's just, there's something funny. I guess because I'm so broke and, you know, we're having some problems with our mortgage and everything. It's just kind of nice. It, there's a There's an uplift to my mentality when I hear that some rich motherfucker out there was struggling a little bit. Maybe that makes me a bad person. I don't know. Go fuck yourself. Anyway, so. So his kid is now on the hook for 25 years for drunk driving the boat. Turned out to be fatal, right? And as the father, he's having to probably cough up, right? And as this is all starting to just explode, Alex Murdar, the father, takes his kid, Paul, and his wife out into the woods and they both die of multiple gunshot wounds, right? And you're watching this shit and you're like, whoa! Like, <laughs> so he he killed his wife and son to, to what? Like to distract from his financial affairs or, or to make it look like some sort of, you know, eye for eye justice hit you know because a girl died in the boat like maybe somebody that loved her then took his son away from you know because if that was the vibe that he was going like then it becomes not a story about you know alex murder or the financial embezzler <laughs> the out of control addict with a tearaway son who killed his friend's girlfriend in a boating accident all of that's gone now now it becomes a story about a grieving father who's somebody maliciously targeted Perhaps to get even about the boating thing. Or perhaps it could be an old embittered case. You know, he prosecuted from before getting even with him by murdering his wife and child or, or something, you know. But yeah, really, really it appeared more like it was like while his son was alive and facing felonies, Alex was being sued, you know, because it's like. As owner of the boat, he's somehow responsible, like, for his son taking it and crashing it or something. Like, like the whole thing is so fucking American, <laughs> isn't it? It's like just suing people that weren't even on the fucking boat, you know? <laughs> it's so American. And so, anyway, in suing Alex Murdor and asking for his bank statements, right, huge problem for Alex. And so it felt like in watching this thing, like Alex is like, okay, well, look, while my son is alive, this is a state of play. But what if Paul dies? What if I murder my son? Well, then, you know, why would you sue a poor grieving father when he's just lost his wife and child? Like, how could you do that? Why would you do How could you be so callous kind of thing, right? <laughs> Fucking sociopaths, man. Every time expecting empathy of others that they so rarely impart themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, they wouldn't target a grieving father, would they? I mean, that, that would be un unspeakable. <laughs> like, more, more unspeakable than, than murdering your own wife and child? Really? Like, how do, you, how do you balance those two things? What is the exchange rate of those two things? Anyway, look, uh, long story short, let's try and keep this as brief as possible. So they do look into it all uh, and they also look into a 2015 murder of this young gay guy that some witnesses had said he was beaten to death by Alex Murdor's 
other son, Buster. And I'm like, I'm like, fuck me, man. Look, the murkiness of this is that, like, at every turn you think, like, to begin with, you're like, oh, it's just a bit of embezzlement, right? And then you think, oh, it's just a, it's just a marine fatality, you know? And then you're like, oh, no, no, it's just a double homicide on the farm, you know? And then you get to a point where, you know, in the box set, the implication is, you know, that Buster, the other son, was fucking this gay guy and that it was they were having a gay relationship but that it was in a southern christian town and buster didn't want it getting out so he beat the kid to fucking death and it's like the murk bruv the murk is real in this shit and then it doesn't even stop there like their uncle who's also a lawyer obviously probably called Randolph again, he's immediately on the phone to the grieving family of this young gay guy and he's offering to represent them for free. Pro bono. Right? And again, like, I'm not saying that all of this is fact or that this is definitely what happened, but I'm just saying the implication in this series is that this is a family, right, the Murdors, who know their son right? Not the boat killy one, the other one now. They know that he's guilty of something awful. And so now they're trying to nuke it by nefariously advising the grieving family not to press charges or not to pursue or to delay this and refuse that, you know, to, to manipulate the situation so as to protect their own son, you know? Murky fucking shit. So anyway, this is or was the murder murders okay this drone shot and then evil afterwards box set about this patriarchal family this dynasty law firm a boat killing a roadside homophobia killing a dead house cleaner i didn't even talk about that uh just all manner of fuckery man like lies addiction it's all in there guys fucking fill your boots and so anyway right so i'm reading the news today and I see this little update, this little sort of side news story just snuck in the updates. And it says, store that sold Alex Murdaugh's son beer must pay $15 million to family of teen killed in boat crash. And I'm like, the, the store? The store now, guys? Really? The store must pay $15 million for the boat death, I'm told. Like, do you remember a minute ago when I was mocking the idea of suing someone who wasn't even on the boat? <laughs> well, the store now. It's the, the corner shop offie that sold the teenage tearaway his beer that night now have to pay $15 million to that grieving family. You know, I don't mean the grieving family of the young gay guy i don't mean you know the son and the mum who like dead on the farm i mean the girl that died tragically in the boat boat thing you know and i like i know that losing a child must be fucking horrific i really do i empathize hugely with that and i know it's probably you know this fine or getting them to pay it's sort of about sending a message maybe to other stores you know it's akin to saying uh look see you sell alcohol to kids and you're on the hook 
for the dumb shit they get up to, right? But but there's a bit of me that's like, the shop? You're suing the shop, guys? Rit the off-license? For what fucking, you know, sociopath junior got up to that night, really? It's the shop's fault now? Like, where does, where does the responsibility for that death start and stop for you? The responsibility for it. Where does that start and stop? Because responsibility is a big word here, right? Because this is a southern state, right? It's, it's South Carolina. It's voted Republican every fucking election since the 1960s, save for once. It's, it's conservative as fuck, right? They're all about self-responsibility. And yet, <laughs> when the cards land right, Right? The whole self-responsibility thing takes a quick Labor Day vacay, doesn't it? Much like it does here, right? Over here, it's like, oh, hey, I um, I went through a red light and uh, I, I don't want to pay the fine. Well, that's your, that, that's your own fault. It's called responsibility. Right, okay, well, yeah, I guess, I guess that's fair enough. Oh, hey, didn't you horse fuck the mortgage market? You know, is there any, any chance of you taking responsibility for that? You, you what? Well, you've, you've tripled my mortgage payments. There's going to be people living in cars soon. And suicides are going to soar. Is there any chance of you taking responsibility and fixing my mortgage? But, no, no, sounds like a you problem, to be honest. You what? Well, yeah. I mean, you'll be totally unsurprised to hear that I see this as also your responsibility. Oh, wonderful. Okay. But this whole abandoning of the actual fucking driver's responsibility thing is just, you know, it, it doesn't sit well with me. Like the suing the dad, suing the shop, you know? Because then suddenly we're not talking about the fucking adult who got drunk and took the boat out for a spin. Suddenly it's not his fault. And his fault alone for the decisions that he took that night. Now we're talking about, you know, it's his dad's fault for, what, carelessly leaving the boat keys lying around in the kitchen or whatever. And in the absence of the kid who's dead and the dad who's broken in jail now, now, now it's the turn of the store for selling an adult some beer. Like, come on, lads. Like, it feels a little bit like, yeah, you know? Because, like, like, I have questions. Like, first off, would you still be suing the off-license if the kid was still around? You know, like, if the kid was alive still, would you be suing that corner store? Probably not, I don't think. Then, then the story would just be like, well, the son of a wealthy local lawyer was jailed for 15 years today for drunk driving a boat. But that would be the end of the bulletin. It wouldn't be sponsored by Quickie Mart <laughs> anymore. And second, this whole thing reeks of that American aversion to responsibility. This very American, although not exclusively American by a long shot, but this very American style of ignorance, right? Where you, you don't look at the actual reasons behind shit, the drivers for why something happened, you know? 
It's like if we look at the nuts and bolts of this, like what happened? A 19-year-old got drunk and crashed a boat and it killed someone. And, you know, still you'll get people like, you, you, you gave that boy the thing that made him feel all dumb and invincible. What, um, money? No, 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 the devil's liquor. You sold that innocent child the devil's juice. And that made him think he was untouchable. No, no, no. I'm um, pretty sure that was uh, that was the money as well. But he was laughing maniacally. Uh, also money. Well, you know, I mean, a, a life of privilege, uh, money, detachment, cyclical trauma in a family, paying it forward again and again and again. The hell you say? It was it was a two for ones at Lucifer's liquor store. Like it really does nothing for America's reputation when I read stories like this. <laughs> you know. As this class action, happy, legal fucking hellhole. You know, people suing, counter-suing. It's like when you read about, you know, a melee kicking off at a wedding. You know, do you remember that story a few years ago? Where this massive fuck-off brawl happened at a wedding. Like 20 people. All bra brawling and tipping tables over, punching each other. Imagine you get caught up in that and there's glass flying and some goes in your eye and you're blinded or you're in hospital for weeks. Like, imagine suing the wedding venue because <laughs> they didn't put security on or some shit. Like, it's the venue's fault. They should have foreseen this. This brawl at a wedding. Like, where does, where does the responsibility start and stop for you because it's like like for me i'm like look obviously the 19 year old who got drunk and crashed the boat he holds the blame here it's just with him okay he took the keys he was hammered he raced it off course and plowed it into the bridge he caused the death like you should be prosecuting and suing that fucking idiot and look i'm sorry that he's dead <laughs> ish <laughs> i mean but but that is where the blame lies okay so if you sued his estate fine like i don't know how much that kid was worth though like him in his own right and i know even suing his dad now seems like you're on a fucking you know hiding to nothing because he's broken in jail and all of that but but suing the off license for shit that people do when they're drunk like <laughs> that seems that seems just like why stop there you know why not why not sue the brewery right <laughs> like why not sue the boat manufacturer like, they should, they should know these fucking things are going to get used by idiots. The, the, the lawyers should be like, you motherfuckers should have known when you built these things that rich, entitled assholes would buy them. You should have known. Because honestly, who has the money for a speedboat? You know what I mean? Who buys these things? I'll tell you who buys these things. Assholes. That's, that's who buys them. And then who actually rides them? The playboy sociopath sons of assholes. The partying, liquored up, fire hoses of testosterone. That's who drives these things. So yeah, you did You did have a duty of care, actually. Mercedes, or a 
bombardier <laughs> or whoever the fuck made this thing. You're telling me you can fit these things with aircon and wireless internet, but you can't price in a $75 breathalyzer? Really? Huh? Yeah, yeah you fucked up. And we're going to send you the bill, motherfucker. <laughs> like, if I was their lawyer, I'd be doing it. I don't know, man. Anyway, like suing the off license, though, for the dumb shit a 19-year-old does when he's drunk, you know, is just it's just a stretch, guys. It's just I'm having a hard time making sense. Do you know what it reminds me of, though? It reminds me, um, you know, all this talk of responsibility and people blaming stuff for the venue and, and all that. Right. It reminds me of this guy I used to know <laughs> and he used to hang around the bowling alley that I worked at. Right. Quick tange. Quick tange for you. Uh, so there was this guy, right? And uh, and we'll call him Paolo. Uh, because, I mean, that, that was his name. So <laughs> why why wouldn't I call him that? I mean, that, that was his name, Paolo. So uh, anyway, Paolo, he didn't work there, right, at the, uh, at the bowling alley. But his brother did. And so he would always be hanging around. He'd have a few beers. He'd come down and watch the footy. Um, he would talk to his brother and then he'd fuck off home and stuff. Anyway... And Paolo was engaged, right? He had this pretty blonde fiance, um, big boobs, you know, seemed kind of nice, I guess. I, like, I didn't ever really interact with her much. Um, one of many uh, attractive, blonde, big boobed women <laughs> with whom I've enjoyed a distant relationship with over the years. Anyway. They, they were together and they seemed all right and they were engaged and, you know, happy enough. And they would, you know, they would come down for a drink uh, every now and then the way that you do. And anyway, then now, right, then this other pretty blonde started working there. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't work there. Remember, he just he just hangs out and talks to the staff and waits for his brother to finish. And sometimes he might stay late and have another beer. And he might give you a lift home if you stop for a taxi. He's that kind of guy, right? Just kind of hangs on, hangs around, talks to the stuff. Anyway, he's down one night on his own. No fiance around, right? Waiting for his brother. And he and this new blonde girl, they get talking. And you can see where this is headed. Can't you? So obviously they start fucking, right? And no, she isn't on the pill and he's just having a whale of a time he's just blowing his load in this in this new and different pretty blonde right and bareback as fuck right we assume and, and look, i'm not judging you know who doesn't love sex without a condom and something hot and steamy in the back of a car probably <laughs> like, I, I don't know you know i'm just imagining that i mean i'm not imagining i you know i don't I don't spend my time reimagining the sex lives of ex-colleagues <laughs> much. <laughs> I know, I know, like, I imagine he didn't take this bitch back home to his fiance and, you know, fuck her in the kitchen sort of thing. Like, you, you go up, darling. You go up. I'll be up in a minute. I've just got to fuck this one. I'll be, I'll be right with you. Like, I imagine that is not how this happened. Anyway, so then she gets pregnant. The pretty blonde who's just started working there that he gets talking to. She gets pregnant and she decides that she wants to keep it. And so then that's it, right? Bam. 
And, and his fiance finds out, obviously. And I think then she left him. You know, I, I assume that she did. And he doesn't really, I don't think, form a relationship with the new blonde, or at least, you know, I never heard anything about them getting, you know, together, together. Maybe they were, but, but here's where it gets a bit like off license class action, you know, suing the venue for the thing, you know, because the next time I saw him, right, after his relationship had fallen to pieces, after he had knocked this girl up <laughs> and had a baby and he had to pay maintenance for it, you know, for 18 years or, you know, and take responsibility for off the back of his own recklessness. Right. Do you know what he said to me? He said, oh, I hate this fucking place. This place ruined my life. <laughs> like, like it was the bowling alley's fault, you know, like it was the fault of the bowling alley that you flopped your dick out in your car and blew your load in this this ripe fertile 21 year old with zero protection like like there's such a comedic element to it isn't there it's like it's such short-termist primal stupidity are you sure this won't come back to bite you no 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 it's, it's fine it's fine I, i'll i'll just fuck a raw uh, it'll be fine. No, nothing bad could come of this, surely. I mean, it, it's got it's got all the components to completely alter the trajectory of my life. But but I'm sure that nature won't definitely take its course like it's absolutely going to. <laughs> like then nine months later, this place ruined my fucking life. Like did did it though? <laughs> did it, Paolo? Really? Like you don't even work here. <laughs> like what? What is this hotel, California? You know, like you're just setting a foot in here is bad enough. You know, this place ruined my fucking life. Like, <laughs> I know it's bad. I know it's bad, Paolo. Like, I know I know the customer service was questionable. I know we ruined a few kids' parties here and there. This this place ruined my night. It's, it's maybe a sentence I would accept. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Like, you ruined my Friday is a phone call that I heard multiple times Monday morning in the sales office when I used to work in there. Listen to some angry events coordinator for Nortel or something. You ruined our quarterly! Like, holding your hands up like, yeah, I know, but what are you going to do? The food wasn't very good at all, and all of the staff looked miserable. You know, and you just can't be arsed taking the call. You're like, well, yeah, yeah, this isn't the fucking Savoy. You know, we're all on fucking minimum wage, and you're in, you're in fucking Maidenhead, you know? And worse than that, we're in fucking Maidenhead, right? And even worse than that, we're all in a bowling alley in Maidenhead. Like, you're going levels deep bad with this, with every one of your Friday night decisions. Just be thankful you didn't spend your Friday night in the staff toilet of a bowling alley in Maidenhead in January <laughs> on a Tuesday. <laughs> like, So, yeah. This place ruined my weekend. I, I would accept that, but... This place ruined my fucking life. That feels like, you know, maybe shirking responsibility. A tad. Like, the board of Megabowl didn't force you to fornicate, did they? Like what, like, what exactly are you accusing a leisure company of now? Like, fucking corporate rape. Did they force you to fornicate that night, Paolo? Is that what happened? Did they corporately rape you, you fucking moron? Anyway, 
fuck going i did say we're going off on a tangent um so so back to the murders right so the family of the girl who died in the boating accident are suing the corner store the equivalent of an off license over here uh, that sold paul murder the beer that he drank that night now here's the other bit that feels a little bit off for me i don't know see what you guys think the article I'm reading is on usnews.com and it says under South Carolina law, even if the jury found Parker's kitchen, which is the chain, the store, right? Only 1% responsible because they're tied together in the same lawsuit with Alex Murtor, Murdor, Murdor, whatever, like they're part of the same lawsuit. Because Alex Murdor is now fucking broke, then under that law in South Carolina, the other party gets saddled with the entire bill. So Parker's Kitchen, the chain, the store, with its deep pockets, is apparently now... Now, that's why they have to pay almost the entire settlement. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, how is that fair? Like, I'm sorry if this sounds like I'm, you know, I'm batting for the wrong team here, but it kind of... It just feels weird to me. Like, I'm all... I, I'm up for holding corporations to account. I really am. We know this. You know, if you've listened to me babble on about corporate tax avoidance before or petrochemical multinationals bullsacking the planet, paying shareholders billions in dividends while the rest of us pick up the tab through fucking, you know, higher taxes and green levies and all that desperately trying to curb the effects of their pollution you know if you've listened to me rant about that stuff before you will know that i don't particularly warm to faceless sociopathic companies you know and how they get off the hook for stuff but when it comes to off licenses <laughs> no i mean you know with this with the nuts and bolts of what i'm saying i don't know i'm with the company Right now, you know, this is fucking balmy. I mean, like, just as a point of fact, right? Like, the reason I tend to go hard on the companies generally is because they very rarely face anything near to the repercussions that the people that they hurt do. You know, like pollution. We all have to breathe in shitter air and get washed away in the monsoons and burnt out by wild wildfires. Like and starved by the lack of food production, while those motherfuckers buy New Zealand islands and nuclear bunkers and shit to escape the damage they're inflicting. And I know sometimes people are like, well, they get fined for it, don't they? That's the language they understand, aid is money. So yeah, we'll hit them where it hurts. We'll find them. And I'm like, these fuckers have got insurance just in case they get sued for shit, right? insurance pays out for that they've they've budgeted for it like you sue them for you know 50 million dollars because your kid developed asthma because they didn't use the right chemical on a block of flats or something right and you think that's a kick in the balls you're like yeah i sued them for 50 million dollars and i won you know then what happens they just turn around to aviva or lloyd's of london and they just go yeah can you um Take care of this for us. Like, anyway, back to this thing I was doing before. Like, like they don't give a fuck. They don't get individually sentenced. Like, no judge is like, 
I now sentence you to have to breathe in toxins for one year. Nobody's saying that. Well, what happens is they get, yeah, they get fined in inverted commas. <laughs> but they don't get fined and like forced by a grand jury to drink shit water, do they? They just get a bill. And then they pay the bill. Which is like, you know, basically a male redirect to the insurance company. I doubt they even see the fucking fine. It just goes straight to Lloyd's or straight to Aviva. And, and even then, it's just something paltry and insignificant most of the time. Like, what was it the other week? Tesco or Asda or something like one of the big supermarkets got fined £50,000 for jacking up the prices of petrol even after the oil price had dropped, right? Profiteering. It's a racket. They made millions off that decision, off playing dirty. And they get a little fine for 50 grand. <laughs> that fine is like, oh, yeah, we find him. We hit him where it hurts. That's the language they understand. It's money. That fine is like a fly landing on a pit bull and biting it. <laughs> and the pit bull's like, oh, oh that, that kind of hurt. Sort of ish. Anyway, well, it's gone away now. You know? And goes back to mauling a toddler. Goes back to his everyday thing. They get fined and then they crack the fuck on again. So yeah, generally, I'm on the side of the people. When it's the public versus the company, right? But just this particular one happens to feel like a bit of a stretch. I don't know. Or maybe I'm a raging alcoholic and I only ever come to the defense of off licenses. <laughs> like, it, it could be that. Like, the, the kid, the Paul, Paul Murdoch is dead. And I, I'm like, he's the one to blame for this. So there's a part of me that's like, whatever happened to just being glad that the killer is dead? You know? Whatever happened to just being like, this guy killed the girl. And then the person's like, oh my God, I hate him. I hate him. God, if I ever got my hands on him. And then they're like, oh. Well, actually, you're, you're in luck. You don't even need to worry about it because somebody shot him in the fucking head already. Oh, right. Oh, OK. Uh, good. You know, like, whatever just happened to being glad he's dead? <laughs> I don't know, man. You know what's weird about this, right, is I read about the store getting saddled with the debt, with the fine, right? And it, you know, it obviously reminded me about the box set itself. And then recently, like me and the missus, we've been watching uh, the Staircase dramatization on on Now TV, uh, which is a similar thing, right? It's affluence becoming evil, right? And in a lot of these stories, it's a similar kind of vibe, right? The guy gets himself in financial problems, and then the shit spirals out of control. You know, maybe maybe he's on the whole for about you know two hundred and seventy thousand pounds, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Maybe his mortgage is exploding. <laughs> and then, like, the cops look at the guy's finances and he's counting down the clock to some sort of financial Armageddon. And it's oh, it's all so chaotic. And, it you know, it gets me thinking, like, I really hope nothing happens to my girlfriend and kids right now. I mean, that goes without saying, obviously. But I'm just saying, like, since this remortgage shit really kicked off, and the payment soared from £425 to £1,900 a month. And bear in mind the backdrop of austerity ravaged police teams, right? Overstretched. 
knackered detectives crippled by alcoholism. Like, all I'm saying <laughs> is... All it would take is, is a tired or lazy, overworked detective... It'd take him about four minutes to look at my bank statements and go, whoa, whoa, like this, this guy really needed 300 grand very, very quickly. <laughs> like, Yeah, w was he financially chaotic? Uh, was, was he an opioid addict or a closeted homosexual who, who racked up a lot of debt? Or No, 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 no. He was actually, um, yeah, he was, he was pretty astute with it all, actually. He just got caught up in the mortgage tornado sparked by uh, trusts and quarter. Oh, right. Okay, so... So it's not really his fault? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, sort of, sort of Britain's fault, then, I guess. Yeah, 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 I guess, I guess you could say that. And what was it he kept screaming in the interview room when, when you brought him in? Oh, he just kept saying, this place ruined my fucking life, this place ruined my fucking life, over and over again. That's all he was saying. Guys, that's it. Please come to the live show. Uh, or consider joining the Patreon. Uh, help me attain financial stability without... Me having to sue a fucking off-license. Uh, Patreons get credited at the end of the shows, obviously. Uh, they also get episodes of the podcast two days ahead of everyone else. We have a Discord chat. I pop in there most days. Uh, we talk shit about Tories. We share memes. Uh, we check in on each other. Uh, it's a little family. It's a cult. Uh, you get first dibs on tickets for the live show events, like the September one uh, I just mentioned. Um, but also the Riot Society gigs that I do with Danny fucking Price and uh, Super Tansky. Um, and also for the God tier subscribers, I'm throwing in a monthly call with me on Skype. We have a beer. We talk. You can ask me anything uh, or I just find out a bit more about you. We have a chat about politics, life, love, the universe, whatever. Um, so that's all on Patreon.com forward slash Aid Thompson. So to that end... Big shout out to my Patreon backers, uh, Bowman, Kai, Chris D, David, uh, Mojo Sabian, Peter Del Monte, Pingu, Silent, Stu, T-Rex, Aaron, Alex, Jeff, Ned, Sarah and Simon. Uh, thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. Um, looking forward to meeting all of you. Well, hopefully as many of you as possible at the September gig. And if not that, then the Riot Society. Uh, guys, if you're not in a position to support via Patreon, please do consider writing me a review on Apple Podcasts or just share me around. Uh, just share a, a link to an episode that you've enjoyed. Send it to a mate on WhatsApp or tweet it, quote tweet it and say that you've enjoyed it. You know the deal. Anyway, that's it from me. Keep safe. Uh, look out for each other. I'm going to be back soon. Till next time, keep it booge. Hashtag Bimfluencer. I'm out this motherfucker.